Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. A few days ago, I told you that this Mother's Day of 2021 jogged my spirit to say, let's end the season of 2021, Modern Homemakers, talking to mothers about motherhood and family and children and the gifts from God. And so I mentioned to you the book which I wrote a number of years ago and is available called Loving Life as an At-Home Mom. And as we began the show, my producer said, why don't we give away a few of those? And I said, okay, why don't we? So here's how we're going to do it. We're going to give away 10 copies of Loving Life as an At-Home Mom by Donna Otto. And all you have to do is go to our website and subscribe. That means you just have to subscribe. We do not send more than a few things every year, but that helps our metrics. And then you will have to leave a mailing address so we can ship to you a copy of Loving Life as an at-home mom. It may be an old pub date, but it is still chock full of great things to encourage us as moms. So today I want to read to you from Psalm 78, verses 5, 6, and 7. So he established a decree in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and rise up and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. I, I, I'm always, I have read this book so many times and some of these passages hundreds of times, but I, my mouth, if, if you were here with me, you could see I'm, my mouth wants to just drop to my chest. Can you believe that the psalmist writes these words on behalf of God and reminds us that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, much less the children we are currently raising, and rise up and tell them to their children so they should set their hope and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So I want to speak to you about the works of God, who your children are today. I want to remind you of a work done a long time ago called The Tyranny of the Urgent by Charles Hummel. And um, what else? I have some practical application pieces for you that I want to go over. So there's a very old song that was very... I don't know how long ago it was written. It's called The Household of Faith. And the chorus says, We will build a household of faith that together we can make. And when the strong winds blow, it won't fall down. As one in him will grow and the whole world will know that we are a household of faith. Now, I uh, there are two verses that go along with it. But I 
I've been thinking about that phrase in light of this passage. What is a household of faith? What what is a household of faith? And in the next few days and during the rest of the month of May, I'm going to be talking about what a household of faith looks like, how you can incorporate a household of faith, how you... Uh, behave towards your children and how your children are learning to behave in this world. I'm going to talk to you about getting ready for teenagers and a number of things that I think will be important to you. Five manners that most parents forget. So today I'd like to say that there are three things we should acknowledge before we can even start with the concept of building a household of faith. And the first is that children are a gift from God. They are a gift from God. I, I know what it takes to build a child. I know what it takes to create a child. I know we need a man and a woman, or at least something from their body parts that allow a, a child to be conceived and then a womb for the baby to grow in. Now, we become mothers in many other ways, and for those of you who have not been hanging around modern homemakers for very long, you will have heard me say, perhaps, that this is a daughter of my heart. And when I wrote the book on mentoring, um, we were looking for this word. What, what do you call the person who is being mentored? Well, she was a mentee, she was a protege, she was all, all sorts of words, and we never liked any of them. And suddenly this phrase, a daughter of my heart. And it came to be because my daughter said one day, I'm the only biological daughter. The rest of them are daughters of your heart. And so, yes, but a gift from God. Children are a gift from God. And secondly, they belong to God. They belong to God. They're not yours. I know, in the middle of the night, you'd like to say, well, could God take them back, please? Because I like to get a good night's sleep. But I think too often we get very deeply involved in these children being ours and then having a reflection of us in them. And those are true. There's no way that we uh, can bring forth a child a husband and a wife bear a child, create a child, God blesses a child that comes to fruition. This child does have some effects of you, a reflection of you. So the three things that are so important with regard to building a household of faith is that you recognize that children are a gift from God, they belong to God. And I believe it's our most important job to raise a child that's caring and loving, and prepares them to make the choice to serve God. So if I say they're a gift from God, and they belong to God, then the third thing I have to say is that the most um, important thing we can do is guide them to the place where they can choose God. Now, you can't do it for them. Don't you wish you could? How many times I, I wanted to insist or force or require. None of those things are possible. And the only reason I would want to do that is because I'm not God. You've probably heard me say this. If you haven't, let me say it boldly and strongly. I have never went through periods of time where I was upset with God or angry with God or wondered why. But through the subject of choice, I... Do you remember that movie, Oh God?, 
with, um, um, I think it was Dust, no, I don't know who the player was. Oh, God. But he's, he's talking to God, and he says, yeah, about one thing I don't understand, the big mistake you made. And, you know, you're wondering, what big mistake did God make? And the actor says, it's the avocado. I mean, why should the pit be bigger than the fruit? I still laugh about that. But God didn't make any mistakes. He is perfect. And this plan of his to give every human being the choice to choose God, to make the God of the universe the God in our lives, to understand God's directions and instructions to us, and to go about seeking an intimate relationship with God, that's your choice. That's your choice. Maybe you haven't made that choice. Everyone has that choice. Choice to me was one of those things like the avocado. Really, God? Why did you do that? We're not, we're not wise enough. We're not smart enough. We oh, so often don't choose you when we should choose you. So I think these three pieces, when it comes to building a household of faith, are one, that you recognize that they are a gift from God, you recognize they belong to God, and that your main job is to help them understand why they would choose God, why they would choose God. A man whose name was P.T. Forsythe said that the worst problem we have in the world sin perhaps, maybe the root of it, is our self-sufficiency and independence from God. Self-sufficiency and independence from God. May I tell you that Foresight wrote those <clears throat> words 50 or 60 years ago. But Charles Hummel, who wrote a lovely little book, not a very big book, called The Tyranny of the Urgent. The Tyranny of the Urgent. And he was very clear to help us understand how this training up a child, this gift from God that belongs to God, that our key ingredient is to help them make a choice for God, cannot be as efficiently done if we have what Hummel says is a confusion about what's important and what's urgent. Do you know the difference? I remember the first time reading it and being shocked. Urgent. Well, urgent is a phone ringing. Urgent is a child crying. Urgent is a messy diaper. Urgent is a family of seven who are hungry and it's five o'clock. These are urgent things. But Hummel's premise is that it's not the urgent things that we have to consider. He tells us that the priorities often get jumbled but we desire to do important things, we often get sidetracked by urgent things. How many times have you sat quietly or read a book and you were inspired to instill important principles into your children, and the next thing you know, you're running around helter-skelter doing the urgent things? He tells us that it's important for moms to raise their children so they will become men and women of integrity and good character and that they will choose wisdom. But often our intent seems to get in the way of these urgent tasks. They do need to eat. They do need to get dressed. They do need to go to school or practice. These are important things. But Hummel encourages us to wait for direction from the Lord to keep our priorities straight. 
If you struggle at all with setting priorities and keeping the vision of your ministry of motherhood, I offer you the very simple phrase, the most important ministry to love Christ. In your heart, tell yourself over and over again that you must reflect Christ first and ask yourself often, am I setting the roles of wife and mother over the, cho- the chosen role of follower of Christ? How easy is that? How easy is that to get up in the morning and start and never have a moment's thought of God? There's so many things to do and so many things going on. So the tyranny of the urgent. And then lastly for today, the authority of your... Well, let me say something Let me just say something about my own way of doing this. Um, D.L. Moody, who was the founder of Moody Bible Institute and was a very active speaker, teacher, preacher um, in the end of the 18th century, early 19th century. And he says, it's not so true that prayer changes things. Rather, prayer changes me and I change things. Let me say that again. It's not so true that prayer changes things, but rather prayer changes me and I change things. And when I am changed, I am regularly centering in something that's more important to me than me, and that is Christ. So here are my first. I had to practice them. I had to practice them. I continue to practice them. Study myself study myself, know myself, study the Word of God, study what He calls me to do, read and speak regularly about these things. I can remember that uh, it was, I was, I don't know how old I was before I thought, well, we just can't pray together. We just can't have devotions together. We can't just uh, pray over the meals. What we have to do is be women who speak of things that have to do with God all the time. Now, does that mean I have to say God's name, or does that mean I have to study God's word all the time? Does that mean I have to be a homeschooler and start every day with, no, it doesn't mean any of that. But the integrity and character of Christ in you, in you, is the integrity and character of what your children see. And so now you're teaching them and you're showing them both pieces. So we've been through the gift from God that they belong to God and that we're returning them prepared to make a choice. We've talked about the tyranny of the urgency. And now I want to say to you, do you recognize that you have authority, that you have authority over your children? You have authority. A young mom said to me, how can I train my 20-month-old to come to me. How many times do I say, come here before I grab him? And if Elizabeth Elliot were here, she would be shaking her head and probably wagging her very long, thin fingers. But she said so eloquently and so completely that the first time you tell a child to do or not to do something, they should be in simple statements. Come, sit, don't touch, sit still. I remember thinking how clear that is. And to a child, 
Donna Otto long, complicated sentence is not necessary. They don't need to understand why they need to stop. They need to stop because you say stop because there may be a car coming that will hurt them. So make sure you have your child's attention. Step one. Step two, look him straight in the eye and let him know not only does he want to give you his attention, you're giving him your full attention. Three, speak in a normal tone. Address him by name and give the command. And when I say command, can you just see that unction in my voice? It sounds like I'm giving you a command and you should salute. <clears throat> but you're just saying this in your mom voice, in your normal voice, but you're speaking it to him, addressing it to him. Give the command, stop, stop, stop. Give him a few seconds to let the message sink in. Speak his name again and say, what did I just say? Since training should begin long before he is talking, long before he is talking. Did you hear me say that? Training begins long before he is talking. He will not be able to verbalize an answer, but he will be able to obey. Children are always way ahead of their parents in their understanding. And lastly, tell him once more. Mama says, stop, Jason, if he does not obey him, if he does not obey, spank. Now, we're going to have a session during these next days to spank or not to spank. But I first want to say this about spanking. Spanking is always in disobedience. Disobedience. Not be very careful that you understand this, not in mistakes, not in physicality of <clears throat> dumping a glass of milk on the table or running into a table and it knocks over the lamp. That is not disobedient. But if you are training your children, as I have just suggested, you have their attention, you look them straight in the eye, you call them by name, you speak in a normal voice, you say the message and you let it sink in, then you say it again. And then you say, again, mama says to you, stop. If he does not obey, that's when he gets the spank. He comes to associate the spank with disobedience. We're not talking about punishment here. We're talking about an association of something unpleasant for disobedience. If the first lesson in obedience is carried out, as I've just recommended, <clears throat> a child will learn it and practice it for themselves. I remember talking about Elizabeth, Valerie, who was Elizabeth's only child <clears throat> and who had eight children. And I remember watching her. Her husband was a pastor in the years that their children were growing up. And I can remember watching her <clears throat> in church. Think about it. Eight children in church, one child at a time. The first one was one or two. When the second one came, I don't think there's more than three years difference between any of them. And they would go to church and they would sit in the pew. And she would put the infant child, seven or eight months, sitting up in her lap and put her arms around like there was a little fence around the child. And then she would hold the back of the child's back and if the child started to wiggle, she would firm him up 
and keep her arms in front of him. This was her corral. This was where she was teaching a child to sit. And it, it would be infinitesimally small, like sometimes 10 seconds and then two minutes. And her children, each one of them came to be able to sit in church quietly. All of them. It takes a lot of training. It takes a lot of time and practice. So I want to encourage you with some practical tools that are available on our website under free resources. The first one is pray scripturally for your children. When I talk about the presence of God in your life, um, I also want to encourage you to pray and to use God's word to pray over your children. In the years that I have been engaged with young women, hundreds of women, maybe thousands of women said to me, I don't know how to pray for my children. I don't know what to pray for them. So that we have a one page, I don't know, there are eight or nine different uh, verses, and it's called Pray Scripturally for Your Children. As you spend time in God's Word, write down a passage that you can use later as a prayer. The list that I'm leaving you is a list that some woman gave to me that she prayed. So maybe you're reading a verse like Mark chapter 4, when it says, listen and you shall hear. And maybe you're trying to help that child to listen. You might take Mark chapter 4, verse 9, and pray that over your child. The second thing is <clears throat> daily prayers for our children. And I can clearly remember my husband and I for, I don't know, three decades, maybe four decades, we had a glass top on a piece of furniture in our bathroom that um, the furniture held all our toiletries and toothbrushes and stuff like that. And underneath the glass top, there was this chart, and it's Sunday through Saturday, five weeks, and in each square, this monthly calendar, there's a verse. The first one is Psalm 9111. Lord, I ask your angels to guard and protect my children today and every day. And we would pray those prayers out loud together for our children, for our child and for the children that we have come to love. So that is also there. Post it on your mirror, put it on your refrigerator, let your children know you're praying these prayers. And the last tool is a tool called Principles for Returning Your Children as Saints. <clears throat> Now, some of you are giggling about that because saint isn't a word you give to those little rugrats who are running around um, noisy and full of energy. But I'm talking about this very thing that I said earlier, and that is that you are preparing them to make the choice. The scripture is very clear to tell us when we choose God to be the Lord of our lives, the leader of our lives, then we become a saint. What we become is the possibility of what we think a saint looks like. And I want to encourage you that these are principles. There are 14 of them listed on this one-page free resource that's called Principles for Returning Your Children as Saints. I promise you that you will grasp these principles and encourage your children to make the choice for Jesus. I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers, and I absolutely love talking about motherhood. 
one of my favorite jobs in my whole life. And I'm hopeful that these encouraging words will encourage you to do all the things that God has gifted you and enabled you to do and all the things you want to do with your own children. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of loving your children.